You grew up knowing you could do anything. As a soldier in the U.S. Army, you'll test your limits and feel the pride of doing things you never thought possible. With guaranteed training in one of more than 150 career fields, up to $40,000 cash enlistment bonus, you'll earn a steady paycheck, get money for college, and gain valuable experience while you learn how to be a valued team leader. To find out more, call your local Army recruiter or visit us at GoArmy.com. There's strong, and then there's Army strong. You're listening to From the Cheap Seats with Chris DeLambert and Brandon Atkins. You may not like your seats, but you'll love the show. Welcome to the Cheap Seats, everybody. I'm Chris DeLambert, Brandon Atkins, Professor Trent Nichols. What a weekend of sports, man. Yeah. This has been amazing as we move toward Christmas, cold weather. Everything is beautiful. It was really, 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 really a great weekend of sports. Yeah. And I know that you were riveted, glued to the set, watching the MLS Cup final. Oh, yeah. Sure. I was watching it. I had it on and was watching it through the window as I was doing yard work. Well. Oh, Canada. Hey, Toronto. Toronto comes away with their first MLS Cup. Another blow to USA soccer. Not not really. Not really. Because I think what you saw, you saw the crowd. I mean, that's what soccer is supposed to look like. That's what soccer's a boot. (laughs) I didn't see Uh, that coming, and it took me a second to process exactly what you said. You didn't see the pitch? The pitch. No, it blew right by you. You guys are killing me this morning. I feel like I've been in this studio for five hours trying to get ready for this show. Oh, wait. We have. I have. Well, at yeah. least Toronto won something. They can't win the Stanley Cup. Ba-dum-tsh. Ooh. That stings. They, they, they'll always have Joe Carter, though. Yeah, true that. Yeah, that moment in the sun. Y'all getting, are y'all ready for Christmas time? Have you done any shopping yet? No. no. Anybody? No, I, I have plans on Friday to take the wife out to go shopping. Oh, you're a sweetheart. Yeah. That's all. Awesome. So she just points and you do it? That's how y'all get down for no, Christmas? No, no, no. I told her. Friday, we're going. See, I have plans for Saturday to shop with my wife from my couch on Amazon because that's how we do. We won't do a whole lot of physical going out into public shopping. We just don't do like that. Well, we were talking about as we were spending the last two hours trying to get the show up, and whoever's using our studio, if you, I hope you go platinum because I'm going to sue your punk. <laughs> Because you screw the studio up every time we get in here. But um, anyway, we were talking about bad gifts and fruitcake come, came up. No. And, and let me tell you, if you ever, ever attempt to give me a fruitcake for any occasion, I will hire somebody to have you murdered. Listen, fruitcake is one of those things that over the years, obviously, it's a traditional punchline. You know, yeah. oh, fruitcake. But I think there've got to be some people out there who are still like, yeah, but you've never had my fruitcake. Right. No, we don't want your fruitcake. We don't want anybody's fruitcake. It's disgusting. And nobody likes any fruitcake under any circumstances. So the rule for Brandon is don't gift him fruitcake. Apply that to everybody you've ever met in your entire life. As long as you're, if you say it's that good, as long as your fruitcake doesn't have fruit or cake in it, (laughs) I'll give it a shot. Well, I'm glad I saved my receipt. Gosh. That's fair, though. If it doesn't have fruit and it doesn't have cake, maybe we'll take a spin at it. How bad know. would it be, though, if you re-gifted it? Like, oh, man. Would, 
Would that make you cooler than the first person, the original person, or worse? It make you worse. Okay. It make you Ooh. worse. You I think, don't know. Really? Uh, yeah, Listen, it's probably I worse. promise you, I, I assure you beyond any shadow of any <laughs> doubt, if I get any fruitcake, I'm re-gifting it to you. I'll tell without you any regard for how it affects my coolness. I think older ladies are very cute in my neighborhood, but they do the funniest things around Christmas time. I had an invite to buy some holiday pecans. Pecans. I, I bought three packages, and I thought I was doing my part for their church drive. And I didn't have correct change, so this old lady in her mailbox got six extra dollars, and I wrote in there, just give to the cause. Two days later, she comes by and scolds me in the driveway because I messed her money up. I messed her count up. Lady, I bought your stinking pecans. How much, six how much were the pecans? I can't remember. It seems like I Because for six her, bucks, why didn't she just give you one more? It seemed like I gave her like 30 or 40 bucks. I think Gosh. this lady ripped me off. I think she got you too and hurt your feelings. And next year, she's going to guilt you into buying five or six because you screwed the books up this and year. She yelled at me in front I, I'm going to be kids. honest with you. I think older ladies are cooler than you're giving them credit for because the fruitcake thing, it gets attributed to those old ladies. The old ladies that I know, if they were bringing you fruitcake, it would be their little inside joke. Mm -hmm. It really would. <laughs> and it probably is a message to you that, you know, you're not getting the good stuff. Because I work in theater, and we have a lot of supporters that are, that are older, and we get some awesome food that comes through the door. Mm -hmm. Awesome. I mean, whether it's sausage rolls or cookies or whatever the case might be, or it was, ah, I was just making these pies and I had an extra one and they come through and they're great. Never got any fruitcake from them. Hmm. Well, you know, the funny thing about the holidays is I think everybody loses their mind because you know that game that you do with the family and the friends where you wrap up all these things and you get to pick, you pick numbers and you pick the gift. And originally it was called something racist like the Chinese Christmas. <laughs> But then now they're calling it like Dirty Christmas, Dirty Santa, which that seems inappropriate. <laughs> dirty Santa, the, that's the best name ever. And yes, Chinese Christmas is racist. <laughs> it's just like Chinese fire drill. You know what that is, right? Uh-uh. You, you've never done a Chinese heard, fire I've drill? I've heard it, but what is it? It's where you stop your car in the middle of the road and everybody inside gets out, runs around the car, and then jumps back in the car into different seats. Why... What ever made anybody think that that's what they do in China? What did Chi what did the Chinese ever do to you? Oh wait, <laughs> it is racist though. Chinese I, listen, Christmas, come on, man. Chinese people everywhere. I apologize. We're a bunch of idiots over here. No, but if it was if there was a real Chinese Christmas, there could be some cool stuff associated with it. Excellent food. Yeah, dragons. Maybe martial arts? Yeah. I don't know. There'd be cool stuff. But no, it's because you're jacking other people's gifts. Yeah, you're I trying mean, to make other people feel bad about their gift during Christmas time. Well done. Let's call it Chinese Christmas. Well, yeah. Well, and they I know what made I'm taking all to, those gifts for us to give to other people. Dude. And now, <laughs> because most of them are made in China. So. Making all the cool stuff, but no, you're missing. <laughs> I promise you, if I play Dirty Santa with anybody this year, I'm taking a freaking fruitcake. Ooh. Boom. Well, now, I always pick out something good and try to make sure that I get it. <laughs> That's my strategy right there. Yes. 
Yes. Have you ever have you ever done Dirty Santa in a group and there's been a crazy garbage gift that somebody got something really lame yeah and then after the game is over they open it up and there's like a 50 dollar bill in it oh no no oh no. yeah, yeah i've no, seen no. that happen several but times. i will tell you, you i have careful. seen this year in and year out where you're doing the dirty santa whatever you want to call it i want to call it dirty santa because if i called it chinese christmas it would be racist well Santa might have something to say about that. You know, he feels like he's pretty clean giving all these kids gifts, and you're going to call a game Dirty Santa. But I'll tell you what, I've never seen any group of men and women, adults, go bananas over a $6 bottle of wine like they do in Dirty Santa. (laughs) Or lottery scratch-offs. Let me tell you, the best Dirty Santa gift I ever got was a Long Island iced tea set. It had every component. In bottles separately, and, and I you, thought I was gonna have to fight somebody for it. How many times did you try to hide it? Like that's gonna work. You hide oh. it behind a chair, and it's like, oh, it doesn't exist now. I, we I don't did see one that. better. No, no, no. I did one better. I actually took a fake phone call in the middle of it oh. and picked up and carried my gift outside <laughs> for long enough to get through four or five rounds. That true story. And then finally somebody realized, I don't think he's probably even on the phone. And they came out, and I wasn't. Well, see, if it's food and good food, I just open it up, stick my tongue on my hand, and <laughs> poke it with my finger so Give nobody it a kiss, wants to goodbye. touch it. Yeah. All right. Baker Mayfield, your Heisman Trophy winner. Is anybody here surprised? No. Anybody disappointed? Nah. No. Now, so it went one, two, three in every region, and Baker Mayfield won by the third largest margin since 1950. Anybody want to take a stab at the biggest winner in Troy, the last 67 years? Wasn't it Troy – what's his name? Troy I'm, Smith. Troy Smith. Where did he go to school? Um, I don't know. I can't remember. Troy Smith. Was Where did you get to school? Ohio State the University? Ohio State University. I knew kind of – do I get partial credit? You do. It, it's kind of funny because Troy Smith, his legacy – He's not one of those guys, not mm. one of those sort of pantheon guys. I wouldn't even put him in the top, I don't know, two or three in terms of Ohio State quarterbacks. But I was surprised when I saw that graphic run. He won 92% of the voters. Hmm. Some Oklahoma's nonsense. got six Heisman winners now. Yeah, they do. And they Baker Mayfield might be the biggest tool of all of them. <laughs> I don't know, man. He's, he's according to Shefty, he's flying up the draft board. Mm. My son and I had that conversation, and he, he looked at me yesterday, and he said, you know what, I think Baker, Baker Mayfield's going to bust. And I said, frankly, I think by the time we get through the draft process, I don't think he's going to be – I'm not sure he's going to be taken in the first half of the first round and wouldn't be surprised if he falls out of the first round. This has shaped up not to be a great quarterback class, and as we came into this college season, you know, people were – trotting these names out there, and you had Sam Darnold, Josh Rose, and Josh Allen out of Wyoming, and these guys, and this was going to be the greatest you know, quarterback class. I don't know, man. Isn't it funny that you didn't even mention Jackson last year's winner? That's how bad it's been this year. But Has it, I mean, statistically, he had a better year. But Louisville just was a bad ball club. And, I mean, he, think, has to, he has to have some of that. I'm the guy that made this statement, Lamar Jackson's the best college quarterback I've ever seen. Do you think if Drew Brees and Russell Wilson did not exist, that Baker Mayfield would even get a look in the NFL? Mm, interesting question. I think Baker Mayfield would get a look. 
It's just a matter of what kind of premium somebody's going to put on that. And it's a matter of taste. What one person sees as arrogance and petulance, somebody else is going to see as fiery competitor. And that's what a lot of these GMs are seeing. They're saying that they're liking his fire and his competitiveness. Well. And if he grabbed his crotch in the NFL, he'd get like a lousy $50,000 fine and people would forget about it the next day. It's not, it's not any specific incident when you look at it. You can poo-poo it. It's just the pattern of behavior. The guy, he just has this douchiness about him. That's just who the guy is. Right. And, I mean, you saw it when he transferred out of Texas Tech. Um, and he's he's got, you know, several different run-ins with, with – fans and with the police and he just comes off as but that guy didn't and he the walk question on? you have to ask yourself he walked on at texas tech and got the starting job as a freshman and then left texas tech and walked on at oklahoma have, have you ever heard of a quarterback doing it that yeah, successfully not really but um, i'm gonna tell you and i don't know baker mayfield's family i don't know his history but he comes from lake travis in austin i guarantee he comes from money in the first place so I'm sure that he wasn't just a walk-on that showed up at Texas Tech and walked on. He worked some kind of deal and got preferred walk-on status to go there. Now, he's made the most of his opportunities for sure. There's no disputing that. And he I don't want to take anything away from what he's accomplished on a football field. And as we sit here today, I think he's – I think Oklahoma is probably my favorite to win the national championship. That team – that offense has been ridiculous all season. Now they finally started to play some defense as well. I really like what Oklahoma's got going. Baker Mayfield's driving the train. So I like Baker Mayfield. Don't want to take away from it. I don't think there was any doubt as to who was going to win the Heisman Trophy as we got into the last couple weeks of the season. I just don't know that it translates to the NFL. And the question that those GMs have to ask themselves are, how are my other 52 players and all of the or the rest of the organization, the coaching staff, the administrative staff, going to respond to this guy? Right. Can he come in and coexist 250 days out of the year? We'll talk about that more on the other side. You listen to From the Genesis. Krista Lambert, Brandon Atkins, two American patriots trying to make sports talk radio great again. The V Foundation and board member Robin Roberts are dedicated to declaring victory over cancer by funding cutting-edge research. Jim Valvano's greatest legacy is the V Foundation. You can help join the fight, give the gift of time. We need passion, we need teamwork and momentum. The time to act is now. There's not a moment to lose. Every dollar counts. Every day counts. To find out how you can join us to defeat cancer, please visit JimmyV.org. Welcome back to From the Cheap Seats. All right, welcome back to From the Cheap Seats. Kristen Lambert, Brandon Atkins, Professor Trent Nichols. You're listening to us on the WBLZ Network. We are talking about fruitcakes and Baker Mayfield's Heisman Trophy victory. Um, any last thoughts? This thing, I think a couple of times we had this figured out. You know what I mean? At one point it was Saquon Barkley was a lock. Um, you know, Josh Rosen played himself out of it early. Sam Darnold, I think, though, if you go all the way back, I think Sam Darnold was the sexy pick coming into this season to be the guy. Sam Darnold at this point, 
has got a major decision to make because I think as everything's played itself out, I still think he's the number one quarterback prospect, but I don't think he's anywhere near NFL ready. Yeah, the Heisman race has been kind of boring because we knew who the Heisman winner was going to be for like six weeks. Yeah, it seems six weeks sounds about right. I mean, Barkley, he sputtered and had a couple of those 35-yard performances, and I think he was really the only legitimate challenger as we got into the second half of the season. Trent, were we forgetting anybody? No, I don't don't think so. I mean, everybody else, like I said, I I really didn't pay attention because it was kind of a, a mute point unless something majorly happened with Mayfield that uh, messed it up. It was, you know. So without knowing the draft order, where do you think Mayfield goes? Is he a first-round pick? And if he is, is he first, third, second, third, or third, third of the first round? Or does he fall out of the first round? No, I think he goes mid-first round. Because just look at who will be picking – you know, in the front half of the draft, you got Cleveland. I think there's too many similarities, even though I think they're unfair to Johnny Manziel um, about his off the field, on the field. Are they the unfair? Field. But I don't. I think even Cleveland now, who's going for the perfect ref- record this year, and I'm cheering for him, would not try to do something similar that they just had done the you know a couple of years prior. So I think they'll stay away from them, and then some of the other teams. I don't know who needs a quarterback in the first round. I mean, in the first half of the round, if you absolutely need a quarterback, if there's a team I'm not thinking of, maybe I don't know, say the Dolphins, maybe, maybe you look at somebody like Mayfield. But I think it's safe to say he goes between 15 and 20. What do you think? 15 to 20 range, huh? I'll buy I, that. What do you got, Trey? I mean, I think I look at the – I think the Browns are going to go after a free agent quarterback, and I, I think that all the teams that need a quarterback are not going to go with the draft. I think they're beyond that. They've already – like the Broncos have already screwed up their draft picks with the ones they've taken if they believe they need a quarterback. The Browns, I think, are going to go after maybe getting the guy from uh, – uh, McCarron from the Bengals if he's available or doing something they're going to make a bigger splash so Mayfield if he doesn't go in the bottom third I think he slips to the next day because I don't think anybody thinks in that first round that he's the franchise quarterback well the team that jumps out at me right away that needs a quarterback and needs to answer the question may actually make the playoffs and that's Buffalo Buffalo's got to figure out their quarterback situation. Or Jacksonville, but... I did, Jacksonville's going to be in one of those interesting places, too, because I think Jacksonville's going to win their division, and then they have, they're have they posed with the question, are we committed to Bortles, or are we winning in spite of Bortles? Yeah. I personally believe that they're winning in spite of him, but it's going to be tough to make that call. Jacksonville's been so bad for so long, and now they're there... Do they really want to rip him out? And the only people that can answer that question are the people inside the building that see what the other players think of him. If they feel like it's their guy, you got to be really careful with ripping the rug out from under him. Yeah, but do you think Tom Coughlin, if he feels like he could sneak a Eli for the last few years, knowing where they're at, that Eli could manage the game the way they need it to get them to – I think level. that's great in theory, but you have to ask yourself at this point, what's Eli Manning really got? You know, if they feel like they can put a line around him that's ironclad, maybe and Manning can come in there. And running a bat that he hasn't had? Well, 
Yeah, I mean that's an interesting an interesting supposition. I, can, I never considered Manning going down to Jacksonville for a couple of years, but it's an interesting thought. I, I and have an surely idea. his run in New York is over. It's got to be no matter what. I like. I think he's going to get to the Broncos. <clears throat> There's already that Manning relationship, and that's where I think that they won't because he's not okay. Hypothetically, let's say he does and they win a Super Bowl, that's kind of a knock on his brother. I don't think he goes to the Broncos. And Elway may try for him, but I think Elway's, Elway is going to go more all-in for a Kirk Cousins, somebody like that. He's going to go spend a bunch of money and whatever. Well, isn't it, isn't it fair to say Eli will not go to a bad team? I think that's fair to say. I mean, he's he's not going to try to limp out the last three, four years. That's no. why I think team. Jacksonville's more realistic because if they can get to the playoffs and win their division, even though the Texans are hurt and the Colts are horrendous with Blake Bortles, that's Eli Manning written all over it. I, I like the idea. And defense. it saves Jacksonville dumping a first-round pick into a quarterback for another year or two. They could bring a guy along. I like the exactly. idea. I really do. There are some teams that have to answer some questions with regard to the quarterback. Cleveland Browns being right at the top of the list. Cleveland, you know, is Deshaun Kaiser the guy or is he not the guy? Because if he is, then you've got to look someplace else with pick number one. We've already get, we've already sent the call out. Take Bradley Chubb number one. You can't miss with him, Cleveland. He's safe. He's a high-motor guy. He's an athletic freak. He makes your defense better. Figure out the quarterback waste you know, situation some way else. You can't go back in time. Yes, they missed on Wentz. Yes, they missed on Deshaun Watson. But you can't allow that to affect your your draft strategy going in. Cleveland's going to have the number one pick. Cleveland's going to have the number one pick because they cannot manage to win a game even when they're supposed to win the ball game. And this past weekend, they had the Packers dead to rights and just couldn't help themselves. Right. Yeah, they they just don't know how to win anymore, man. And it's you're you're talking about the coaches over there, Hugh. They I think they just should blow most of that stuff up and start drafting defensive players. But brother, they have. They have. They I mean, how many more times can they blow it up? If they blow it up this time, I mean, you go back and look. Nobody's been nobody's gotten more than two years there forever. And as bad as it's been for the coaching staff and all these guys that you can hang. Now, Hugh Jackson's working on the worst two-year run in history as a head coach. You look at Jimmy Haslam and his family since they took over that team. That's the worst run as an owner ever. Check this stat out I heard the other day. They have not won a game on a Sunday for two years. Well, so Their John, only victories have come on like Thursday night, and you know they hadn't played a Monday night game. But two years, so Cleveland fans for two years have been turning on the channel on a Sunday pretty much expecting them to do what they always do, which is lose. They hire John Dorsey before he can go talk to the Giants, and you're talking about are they – Kaiser's not going to be the answer because the first thing he said is we have to get a quarterback. Well, and we will go. get a quarterback. We're not we're not going to build anything without the quarterback. So, obviously, I don't think anybody thinks that who they have in their camp is it. Get well, Chubb. You can build a great defense, and the offense doesn't have to be that good that soon. Well, Dude. I'm going to tell you, the quarterback, if I'm John Dorsey coming in, the quarterback that I want to go after in the offseason is the guy I just got to see up close and personal last Sunday. 
I told you guys six weeks ago, Brett Hundley, with enough reps, had the tools to be a good quarterback. He brought that Packers team back. It wasn't it wasn't pretty, but he's playing against a, what is not a horrible defense in Cleveland. Almost stole a victory against Pittsburgh two weeks ago, then brings the team back against Cleveland, and if he can pull one more rabbit out of his hat until Aaron Rodgers gets back, the Packers are going to make the playoffs, and when they do, they will be my odds-on favorite to win the NFC. Well, and wouldn't that be something, having be missed Aaron Rodgers for several months? And watch this storyline. Who's getting another yet another audition in Philly right now at the quarterback position? Nick Foles. Wentz will come back next year, right? Hopefully. So, I mean, you, you if you're going to have an ACL injury, you want it early in the season, not late. And looks as to, you know, all the reports out of Philly are that Wentz has torn his ACL. Right. And when Nick Foles came into the game, did any of you <laughs> even remember Nick Foles still played for the Eagles or was playing for the Eagles again? Because I couldn't have told you who the backup in Philly was until Nick Foles yeah. trotted out onto the field. Yeah, when he did, I was like, oh, yeah. That's oh, right. Yeah. Hmm. yeah. Yeah. I knew that. I'll tell De- Lambert on the show that I oh, – yeah, I knew that. The return <laughs> of Napoleon Dynamite. Excellent. Right. All right. Well, and did enough to get a good, good, good win against the Rams. And that matchup was everybody, everything everybody hoped it, hoped it would be. You've got probably the, the, the two best teams in the NFC. No offense to Saints fans out there. Uh, but I got the top two teams in the NFC going at it, and it was a slugfest. And in the end, Foles came in and did just enough and was able to hold off Todd Gurley, Jared Goff, and the rest of that Rams offense. Um, I'm going to ask the question, Tom Brady should be the MVP, period. End of discussion. Anybody care to argue about that? No. Okay. He's not going to get it, but – well. Now that Carson Wentz is out, I think that Brady will get it. I think Wentz would have got the nod, but if Wentz misses the rest of the season, like it looks like it's going to happen, Wentz is not your guy. I think Brady will get it. I think if it was close between two quarterbacks, Wentz would have got the nod just because people are tired of Tom Brady and they take him for granted, as we do LeBron and some other great folks that are out there. However, there's two guys that aren't getting any run in terms of the MVP conversation. And I'm frankly, like the Heisman has become the best quarterback in the country award and not even the best quarterback in the country. It's become the best quarterback on a team that only has a loss or two (laughs) award. The MVP is the same thing. It's like, who's the quarterback we want to gloss this year? The two guys that I see Sunday in and Sunday out that should get recognized as being that doggone good at their positions are Todd Gurley, one, who's got 1,600 all-purpose yards already, leads the NFL in scoring, and Antonio Brown. Antonio Brown has become an unstoppable force in that Pittsburgh offense. And, you know, it hadn't been that long ago we were talking about Big Ben. Is his heart still in it? He may retire. What's this guy going to do? And then he comes out and lays his third 500-yard game of the year on Sunday night, or of his career on Sunday night. I'm going to cast my MVP, uh, MVP vote for Boswell. Hard to argue with that, I mean, man. he's one of the killer bees. Dude, and what is that, four straight game-winning want, field goals? I want him the to be the, the first 
field goal kicker to get the MVP. I like it. Wouldn't that be great? I like it. And you know what? You brought up the Saints. We'll have to hit it on the other side. We'll see you on the other side. You're listening to WBLZ. You're listening to Krista Lambert and Brandon Adkins on From the Cheap Seats, a production of Cheap Seats Radio. Hello, I'm Rob Beckley, lead singer of the band Pillar. I served in the Army Reserve for eight years, and it taught me lessons in teamwork, leadership, and organizational skills that I still use today. Serving part-time in the Army Reserve also offers skill training, money for college, and bonuses up to $20,000. So if you're up to the challenge, talk to your local Army Reserve recruiter today, or check us out online at GoArmyReserve.com. You too can be Army strong in the Army Reserve. And now, from Sanford, North Carolina, Krista Lambert and Brandon Atkins. Got money, got fame, fast cars and everything. Yeah. I'm on a dance, I gotta sing. All right, welcome back. I'm Krista Lambert, Brandon Atkins, Professor Trent Nichols, talking a little football. Looking ahead to the 2018 Heisman race. Hey, hold up. Before we get on the Heisman, can I throw one thing out there? If you want to. We were talking about, you had brought up the Saints. Yeah. The Saints, to me, remind me of, like, Bitcoin. (laughs) Everybody's telling me Bitcoin? Bitcoin. Everybody's telling me that they're good. Um, The prices are raising, but I just don't believe in it do you understand what i'm saying i do man and and why do they say bitcoins worth let's say there's this much bitcoin and they say well this bitcoin's worth a hundred million dollars guess what's also worth a hundred million dollars a hundred million (laughs) dollars look the problem with the saints is that they're playing good defense and nobody's willing to believe that the saints can play good defense yeah that's the problem the other thing is that they're doing this offensively with two running backs. And first of all, we haven't seen a tandem of running backs be sort of co-leads in an offense in forever. And we're accustomed to Drew Brees throwing the ball down the field like a madman. So they're doing these things and nobody's quite buying it. You know, Saints playing good defense? Come on, dog. Yeah, I mean, well, uh, and they're exposed a little bit. And we we talked about this off the air, but – my, Matt Ryan, Matty Ice, <laughs> he basically forgot how to throw the football this past weekend, which forced them to run and run between the tackles. And that seems to be the Saints' weakness. They cannot stop the run. So if you have a decent offensive line that can get some penetration, you got serviceable you know, running backs, it looks like they do have an Achilles heel. So, but wait, hold, let's just back it up there. Just a second. I'm trying because to you back said that the, the Saints back You up. said that the key to beating the Saints was running the ball right at them. You don't think that the key to beating the Saints might be inflict a concussion on Alvin Kamara? Well. I mean, come on, dude. They they lost their number one weapon in that offense, you know, 30 seconds into the ball game. I'm not ready to, you know, give the Atlanta Falcons credit for anything except being the most inconsistent team in football right now. Well, they are inconsistent. But they're also in the playoffs, so 
Let's eh, not go too crazy. They, they've they've got some work to do as we <laughs> go down the stretch. I think they're. I, I would. I would project right now that they're going to finish third in their division. I really like Carolina. Carolina's been up and down. They have a tendency to play to the level of their competition, except when they're playing the Saints, who just blow them out. Yeah. But the the Carolina Panthers, man, have got a lot of weapons on offense. They've got a quarterback that can make plays like he did this weekend with the big 60-plus yard run at the end of the fourth quarter to yep. put him into position to win. I really like what Carolina's got. They've got playmakers, difference makers on defense. Carolina's going to do some things. Just got Greg Olson back, which is big. Well, Olson and was supposed to have been back this week, but you know got he, the got the green light and then didn't really do anything. Well, I think they ran him out as a decoy most of the game, but I think he's going to be okay probably next week. You don't see Tampa Bay eating W's and sneaking back into this thing, brother. The eating W thing, <laughs> I, I it doesn't get old to me. I can't get enough of that. I just like want a plate full of W. And the best – I can't the, stop. The looks of the other players in utter shock <laughs> is what's hilarious. Because after a certain point of watching it, I just stop watching him. I just hear his audio, and I see this look of the players like, holy crap, why the, I'm it? The best what part is, is this grown man put his fingers in his mouth. And he was – he's a good actor. He he looked like his fingers were delicious. <laughs> He really sold it. It never gets old, man. I love it. He he will go down in infamy for that. And he, you're talking about teams that need quarterbacks. Tampa Bay, are they as committed to Jameis Winston as they were two years ago, three years ago? Are they believing that he's their guy? What do you think, Trent? I think they will. I, I think it could be a matter if they're going to uh... – Switch coaches to see who's the, the uh, dirt cutter. Death watch is on. The well, dude, that's uh, we'll see. Of... I mean, I if I go back and watch Gruden's camp when Winston was around, I'll see what Gruden thinks. <laughs> well, I tell and you, when, when he takes over down... Tampa, Gruden. Come on, man. If he Tampa likes Jameis, Tampa Bay's kind of late of late been where quarterbacks go to die, right? Like that Josh Freeman kid. Had that awesome year and then just lost his daggone mind. Brad Johnson, man, he was amazing. Tampa Bay quarterback. He's well, pretty you, good. You hit on Josh Freeman. Josh Freeman looked, yeah, what happened? For all intents and purposes, like he was going to be a star yeah. in the NFL. And I don't know if it was running around, you know, with all the tourist women coming into Tampa, Orlando. I don't know what happened with Josh Freeman. He lost his mind and went they? from you know a great young quarterback prospect to nothing. And was out of the league, that doggone fast, and kind of shocked the world with his demise. Yeah. Jameis Winston was a little bit more high profile coming into the league. But, man, when is he going to get better? Or is he going to get better, I guess is the question. It's kind of like he's getting worse. He, he is getting worse. I know that the sort of cartoon plays are not they, – they don't clearly define what a quarterback is. But every week it seems like there's some ridiculous interception or fumble or something. And I don't I don't know. I thought what it was that Jameis Winston had coming into the league that was going to make him special, if he could harness it, was his ability to make big plays. Yeah. His sort of football IQ and the fact that, you know, he had this superior confidence. And I don't know if he's shaken. I don't know what it is, but it doesn't seem like the rest of the team is as bought in as they once were. 
And that Tampa team was a sexy pick to yeah. be the NFC rep in the in the Super Bowl this year. Well, they year. had a lot of high expectations, a lot of pressure on them. Yeah, and they gave them a lot of, was, of weapons too. You know, hard knocks came in, and everybody got to know them. But there was a lot to like about what you saw with that team coming into this season, and they've been awful. Well, coming out of FU, uh, Florida State, his mobility was one of his you know skills that he was going to bring to the NFL. But if you've noticed, he doesn't really move that well on it. You know, he is not. If you think about all the mobile quarterbacks, he is not in that group. He did, does not move that well at did all. Did you hear him just be a little racist? Did you hear it? I did. How? Because you, there was an assumption, I think, I with think the layperson out I there. I think he's well-spoken, too. Oh, God. He, he's got uh, a great personality. Yeah, I'm going to tell oh, you, no, no, you fell into that trap. You fell into that trap. Listen. There is an assumption when you see a black athlete play quarterback that he is a mobile quarterback. Jameis Winston is not mobile, Listen. never was mobile. He's not as immobile as Byron Leftwich was, who might have been the least mobile quarterback to ever play football. But Jameis Winston, oh. th- there was a there was the, the sort of ripple of athleticism at the quarterback position. No, Jameis Winston is a drop-back quarterback only. Hold up. Well, no, I think Winston's more like a Ben Roethlisberger uh mobile quarterback a guy that can get away he's not lightning speed like a uh michael vick but he's not like a tom brady peyton manning that's a pocket passer by the way chris and i have already kind of had this conversation so he's kind of picking about the racism thing but i will tell (laughs) you this my point was because i you know i watched them throw the the game winning touchdown to kelvin benjamin in the uh, championship game he had a lot of mobility, and it was one of the things people checked off in terms of him coming into the league. But the problem is, is he doesn't do either any that well anymore. Like he doesn't run well, and he doesn't drop back and pass well. He makes poor decisions. <laughs> well, that's why I think it's time <laughs> for a coaching a change. Uh, Dirk Cutter was supposed to be the offensive mind, put him over the top. In fact, He's they blew QB everything up so that they could keep Cutter. Yeah, quarterback whisperer. whisperer. That's the, didn't Ben McAdoo a quarterback whisperer as well? Yes. So we he's he's whispering long distance. We <laughs> called the Ben McAdoo firing months in advance. Mm-hmm. Who's the next NFL coach that you know for certain is out the door? Ooh, that's a good question. Um, While he ponders that, I have a question for you. Trey. What about John Fox? Nah, Fox is safe. What's up? Fox is safe. When you look at when you look at that Bears team, the expectations for them were low this year. Um, they literally had nobody to start at receiver this year to begin the season. Uh, I think they're, you know, they're only what four and nine at this point. I think that there's a lot to be excited about if you're a Bears fan. It's a short window though, and that window doesn't revolve around Trubisky. Trubisky's been handed the keys to the car. I think he's going to be okay. I'm not certain he's going to be a star in the league. But what I'm excited about when I watch Chicago is Jordan Howard and Tarek Cohen. Those two guys together are. Amazing. You know, Jordan will punch you in the mouth, and Tarek Cohen is a legitimate threat, and there's only five or six of them in the league that is a legitimate threat to score every time he touches the football. Um, if the if the Bears can add a piece or two to open up that offense and and get teams from packing eight in the box, they'll be on to something. Bears will be okay. Well and John Fox isn't going to do anything crazy. Well, I mean, you're just going to get the same thing with John Fox. He spent a lot of time in Charlotte, so I know him and the way he coaches. 
What about Pagano? Is this the last year for oh, Pagano? Oh, Pagano's way gone. So is that way, way gone? That's so that, that's yours. I mean, out the door. I'm with you 100. percent Yeah, Pagano. That's Indy, what I would have said. Got to go. Indy, and and we said this before. And this is this is hard to say because God bless John Pagano for getting through the the cancer scare that he had. But had he not gone through that, he'd have been gone a long time ago. I agree. It's sad to say, but I agree. But he'll get, like I said <clears throat> a couple of weeks ago, he'll have plenty of time to dance with his daughters now. See, that's awful that you would say that. That that hurts my soul. I think that's a good thing. What about dancing with your daughters is a bad thing. I think he'll be a defensive coordinator in about 10 minutes after he gets fired. Who's up? Is Vance Joseph safe in Denver? I mean, the expectation with Joseph coming in, and this wasn't just with Denver. Vance Joseph has been a guy for years now, for three or four years, who's been one of those, he's going to be a great head coach. He's going to be the next guy. Sort of like Sean McVay, where people close to the situation that he was in at the time were like, that guy's going to be a head coach, and he's going to be a great one. And I'm not going to lie to you, Trent. He looks to me like he's overwhelmed in Denver. What do you think? I agree with you, and I've been kind of feeling like it's been a mistake hire the whole time. I wondered why, if you had the number one defense in the NFL and your offense was horrible, why would you bring in a defensive-minded head coach? Didn't make sense to me. Then you got to look at, has he lost the team? Has he lost the locker room? And from all the reports, he hasn't. The guys are still fighting for him, but if that's them fighting for him, they need to be better actors about it. So, I mean, you get the tweets out there saying, oh, look at Bill Belichick's first-year record. Look at these this coach's first. I don't know. I don't think they'll pull the plug on him this year, but I think the leash is short. One more season that they're not in the playoffs, and he will be done. I don't, I don't think he's on the hot seat, but I have one that I feel like his time is getting close to being up. But because of the, who the owner is, it probably won't happen because he's stubborn. But Jason Garrett's had his stab with the Dallas Cowboys, man. I mean, he has See, been there for, what, a decade? He's the perfect Jerry Jones lap dog that I don't think – I think he's safe. I will say this, stay in the AFC West, Andy Reid. Andy Reid I think it's time for him one. to and move that- on because the Chiefs, they're a first-half team, and then they always fall down. Just like this year, they came out – we think they're going to go to the Super Bowl, and then they lose everything. So I think Andy Reid has got to go. Andy Reid, I spent a lot of time thinking about this this weekend. If Kansas City doesn't win the West, and they still could, you've got them neck and neck with San Diego at this point. Both teams seven and six. They have to play one another this Saturday. Mm-hmm. One of the great things about this weekend is we get Saturday night football. If Kansas City beats San Diego – wins another ball game, and gets out as the champs in the AFC West, I think Andy Reid's job is safe. Yes. If he doesn't manage to win that division, I think he might be gone. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of bizarre to say about a team that, you know, two and a half months ago everybody anointed as the Super Bowl champs. But Andy Reid, you got to remember, those Philadelphia Eagle teams he had – were really, really, really good, and he never won a Super Bowl. See you on the other side. Crystal Lambert and Brandon Atkins always help me with my draft picks, but I sure wish they would stop hanging out with Zeke Elliott.
was just a tiny baby. I was stolen from my parents. I was imprisoned in a cramped cage and was touched and photographed completely against my will, solely for somebody's profit. Then I started to grow bigger, and they locked me away for life. If you knew that was the life of a tiger cub, would you still pay to pet her? Learn how they're exploited through petting and photo ops at cubabuse.com. My name is Bobby. I'm a veteran and lost my leg to a roadside bomb. My victory was going from a wheelchair to becoming a weightlifting champion. I'm Sam. I'm a veteran. My victory was finding a career that I could be proud of. At DAV, we're on a mission, helping veterans of all generations get the benefits they've earned. I'm Cece. My victory was finishing my education. When America's veterans win, we all win. Help us support more victories for veterans. Go to DAV.org. You're listening to From the Cheap Seats with Chris DeLambert and Brandon Atkins. But if you really want to know what's going on, Professor Trent, they should listen to you and me, Diamond Dave Kaplan. We've got a better grasp on sports, I think. It's astute analysis. Welcome back to From the Cheap Seats. Welcome back to From the Cheap Seats. I'm Chris Lambert, Brandon Atkins, Professor Trent Nickel, hanging out with me. And uh, we're talking about coaches on the hot seat right now. And I think that the consensus, Brandon, do you want to disagree that if Andy Reid fails to make the playoffs with this Kansas City team, that it might be time for him to roll on? Well, personally, I don't. I think he's he's going to get in anyway because he he wow. could be a wild card team and still get in with as bad as the west is um yeah i mean i, I think that uh i mean i said the west i meant the american the afc <laughs> um, i switched it. i switched the nba jeez but um the metropolitan conference a 500 <laughs> clubs not going to be the I think wild card andy reed has earned himself maybe at least one more year but you could be well, getting close okay I, here's move him up the, into the front office here's the consideration here's the consideration <laughs> it, with andy reed is you got to think that if they don't win the division alex smith is gone does everybody agree with that Yes. Alex Smith is not going to sit around to be a clipboard holder for Pat Mahomes. So, so Pat they... Mahomes is your starter next year unless something crazy happens. Kansas City writes the ship, goes on a run, and makes a serious run at the Super Bowl. Alex Smith will be the quarterback someplace else. All right? Is there, did anybody want to disagree with that? No, I agree. And I think I see where you're going. So if you commit to Andy Reid for next year, Pat Mahomes – First year in the system as the starter. That one year is going to easily stretch into three or four because then you don't want to make a move and disrupt and change the offense with a young quarterback there. So if you're going to make the move with Andy Reid, from my vantage point, you got to do it this year if you're going to do it. And there's nothing wrong with, hey, Andy Reid's our guy. He's going to be here for another three, four, five years. I think it's an intriguing discussion, but I still think he gets in because they're seven and six. In the entire AFC, there's one eight and five team, and it's the Titans. And the Bills, I don't know if they have to play the Patriots again. Then you got a team like the Ravens, who just got beat on a last second field goal to Steelers. So they might be done with the Steelers for this season, which means that they could, if they got Cincy or no offense, or Cleveland on their schedule left. But you've got to look and see what they've got to do. It starts this weekend. Yeah. I mean, that's the, the ball game. 
is Kansas City, San Diego, because one of those teams is going to be eight and six, and one of them's going to be. Dude, the Bills what? play the Dolphins, the Patriots, then the Dolphins. So they've got two more wins in them. I mean, come on. Okay. Well, <laughs> I'm just saying, look how bad the AFC West is. Like, I mean, not bad, but how cluttered. Like, AFC West, you, you could have a 500 team win that division. You may well. It's going to be eight. They're going to be eight and eight, but two teams aren't going to make it out. That's that's but, the point I was trying listen, to make. But listen, but. The Denver Broncos haven't even been eliminated yet. Just think yes, about they, that. Yes, they did. Oh, they did? Yes. Oh, okay. Officially. That was the reports. The sad thing is they won a game and they felt good, but they've been officially eliminated from the playoffs. It must be because we got three more games left. It must be because of a tie break or something like that. Because they could, if they won the next three, that'd be a seven and a nine record, right? A seven and nine record can't get in. No. I mean, you. There's a lot of mathematics and tiebreakers. The Cowboys have been eliminated. Well, you they're know, one game below 500. Are you talking about just for this year or any year? Because you know, no, the, the Panthers. Obviously, a seven and nine team. Year. There's nothing. There's no rule that says. But this year, with the, where everybody's at, no, nobody is seven gotcha. and nines getting. Yeah. Okay. Well, I mean, you do realize Kansas City could still have a seven and nine record this year. Yeah. I mean, it's that close in the division. Unless there's some tiebreakers, right? Okay, but let, let's say seven and nine, okay? Both Kansas City and San Diego in the same division both have seven wins now. Right. One of them has to win on Saturday night, so one of those teams will have eight wins. Okay, well, listen. I well, yeah, with get... the Broncos in seven and nine, they lost twice to – I mean, they've lost to every AFC West team. Well, so that's, that's my that, point. That's so why they're eliminated. Yeah, they're eliminated because of that. Because of the tiebreaker, Chris. I'm right. Stop looking at me sideways. I said that the tiebreakers and everything else would conspire, but the team's not going to – I don't think either that the AFC West is going to put two teams in. I just don't. But they could. They could. I don't believe it. I don't believe it. (laughs) I think the AFC East will have two teams in it. I agree. Or – Whatever, what is it? The North? The, the North. Bengals or the not the Bengals, but the Ravens no or the Ravens. Steelers. I think well, the Steelers gonna, have clinched. The Steelers oh, yeah. have clinched the North. Yeah. I think the AFC North and the East will provide the two wild card teams. We should probably have a few more notes <laughs> when we start talking about all the possible situations and scenarios. This dude just took us well, down no, a rabbit hole. The PowerPoint. And I've got no notes in front of me. The PowerPoint went down. Our yeah. screen <laughs> shut down. I couldn't <laughs> What I can tell you is that Pittsburgh has clinched the North. New England is going to win the East. The question the rest of the way is Jacksonville, Jacksonville, Tennessee. Oh, the Titans, too. There we go. They could sneak in. You've got the Jacksonville Titans. Uh, Jacksonville's up on them by a game right now. As long as Mariota is not seriously hurt, which they don't believe he is. Which is but. sort of a week-to-week question because <laughs> Mariota always is hurt. But, no, you've got Jacksonville and Tennessee, and then in the West, it's a matter probably of Kansas City and San Diego. Okay. You ever yeah. the Raiders. Plus, well, <laughs> and then you, throw in the, then you throw in the Ravens into that mix, too. And the Ravens, check their schedule – it may come down to them having to beat Cincinnati to get in the playoffs, which would be awesome because Cincinnati <laughs> will beat them. So, I'm, I'm let's picking, not do that no, again. I'm taking Buffalo because once I saw they play the Dolphins twice, I'm taking Buffalo as my wild card. I just watched Tyrod Taylor throw a uh, touchdown pass to uh, 
the uh, Carolina Panthers wide receiver in the snow. It wasn't Tyrod Taylor, though, yeah. was it? Was Peterman it was Peterman? on the bench because he got oh, was, knocked oh. out. But wait a minute. It, was it Joe Webb? I, it's hard to keep up, man. You got three quarterbacks playing in Buffalo. The Nathan Peterman well, experiment. Maybe I it's pretended over. it was uh, Tyrod Taylor. Was it yeah. Joe Webb or was it Tyrod Taylor? We gotta we gotta validate that. Man, our, if the internet works this, and we could get online, this is the worst segment of sports radio ever. Ever. We really need to look into a research team <laughs> prior to the show. Or a production meeting in advance where I'm going to go down, I'm going to talk about this, and we've got some preparation or some notes. Well, I guess the bottom line is this is a big week in NFL football. Like, a lot of shaping of the playoffs will happen this week. It's Joe Webb. Um, <laughs> and we've just – our crack research team just told it it was indeed Webb. So um, – but yeah, I'm excited. I, you know, just following it. I'm a no, I'm a homer, but I'm following this uh, NFC South race. is pretty exciting. I mean, it's not often that the same division has three teams in a playoff picture, but we can chalk some of that up to Tampa Bay being so awful. But um, there's some really good teams. Even Atlanta being inconsistent, really good team, and Carolina also inconsistent team. But as long as Cam Newton stays healthy and if they get a few key parts back, I think they could make an, another run. Well, I think the, Carolina's in there with a puncher's chance against anybody. Yep. You know, Cam can make those plays. It's just a matter of which Cam's going to show up week to week. Yeah, I like Carolina. I like the Saints. The Saints, like we were talking about, just kind of fool everybody. You know, yeah, they're playing great defense right now. The question is, can they sustain that? Um Drew Brees, maybe this is his swan song. I don't know. But I will say this. I can make a couple definitive statements. I think that right now today, New England is the odds-on favorite to come out of the AFC. Um, Be careful, though, with Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh's got something to rally around. This Ryan Shazier injury. um, Pittsburgh has got as many weapons as anybody out there, and they always find a way to – you know, get these no-name guys, plug them into that defense, and and the guys are 15 sack guys. Pittsburgh is somebody nobody's going to want to play. But New England seems to have their number. Historically, New England just always manages to beat them. This year, I think this is a good Pittsburgh team, but I do fear for Pittsburgh that Belichick's just not going to let Antonio Brown beat them. And if you take Antonio Brown away, now all of a sudden – that's a whole lot less dynamic in offense because they can convert on third and down like any uh, – third and long, unlike anybody I've ever seen. It's like they're just waiting to get to third and 13 so Antonio Brown can gash you and pick up, you know, just enough for the first down. It's kind of kind of watch, kind of wild to watch. Yeah, I would be nervous with the Steelers. I mean, last three games in a row, it's been the, the field goal. I mean, having to kick a field goal at Heinz Field, I think that, you know – they could easily have lost the last three games. Well, so. they could. And when you look at championship teams, a lot of times, you know, unless you're talking about some sort of juggernaut, you're looking at a team that got lucky. And, yes, Pittsburgh's had everything go their way. You know, they beat Green Bay on a game that Green Bay probably should have won. They managed to get past uh, Cincinnati on a last-second field goal. Then they go in, and the Ravens really had them beat and just really kind of choked down the stretch. But when you look at Pittsburgh as well, you can't look at Pittsburgh and say, well, they're playing as well as they could possibly play. 
because they're not. No, but that's so what's... that's a team that if they can get it right in, over the course of a couple of weeks, I think their offense is pretty close. That's what's scary about them, though, because they're not right, and they're still you don't win eleven games in the NFL by mistake. So yeah, you're right. Sometimes you got to. It doesn't matter how you win in the NFL. Ugly, pretty. Just ask the Giants. Both of their ring, rings came on seasons when they didn't look like they were potentially going to make the playoffs. Yeah. Well, and they've got a big matchup coming against New England because if, if they beat New England, well, we'll explore that on the other side. You're listening to From the Cheap Seats on WDCC and on the WBLZ Network. You're listening to Krista Lambert and Brandon Adkins on From the Cheap Seats, a production of Cheap Seats Radio. My name is Bobby. I'm a veteran and lost my leg to a roadside bomb. My victory was going from a wheelchair to becoming a weightlifting champion. I'm Sam. I'm a veteran. My victory was finding a career that I could be proud of. At DAV, we're on a mission, helping veterans of all generations get the benefits they've earned. I'm Cece. My victory was finishing my education. When America's veterans win, we all win. Help us support more victories for veterans. Go to DAV.org. I'm Chris DeLambert. I'm Brandon Atkins. I'm Professor Trent Nichols. Coming to you from the cheap seats. Welcome to the second hour from the cheap seats. I'm Chris DeLambert. Brandon Atkins, Professor Trent Nichols. Football has dominated the discussion. We kind of moved on from fruitcake, but uh, we might find our way back there. <laughs> I think the dust has settled and, and it's sunk in for most people that the college football playoff is not the end of the world. That Alabama getting in as a, as a non-conference champion, a second team from the SEC, I think everybody's okay with that, except that as I listen to other sports talk radio shows, the Alabama fans can't get over themselves. <laughs> They're in full-blown defense mode, you know, trying to defend the selection. Look, here's the bottom line. Alabama may or may not have been the fourth best team in the country. The top three teams, they got it right. And thank you for the playoff system being a thing because had they not, one of Oklahoma, Georgia, or Clemson would have got left out. The fact that all three of those teams get a shot to play for the national championship is great. It's a good thing. Alabama being in, it's something that Ohio State fans will fuss about for years. Alabama cannot allow themselves to go and get destroyed by Clemson. Otherwise, it will tarnish that, and people will throw that up forever, like they did with Ohio State last year when they got in as a non-conference championship, sort of set that precedent. Then they rolled out and couldn't ever get untracked against Clemson. They got beaten badly, and it was downhill from there. And I think that that hangover – is part of what kept them out this year. Now, Trent, you've been on a mission, and I'm interested to hear what you say. And I know people at home, they may not believe this. We really don't do extensive production meetings or anything. It'd be easy you said to you wanted to talk about segment. this. It'd be easy to believe after the last segment. God, Jesus, yes. We also don't do very many technical meetings either, and that might have gotten us you know, started within an hour of when we were supposed to have. So – you say that you've done some research. I have. I want to hear what you've come up with. So, 
I'm pondering, you know, they have all these rules and what the committee looks at for picking these teams. Strength of schedule. They have win-losses. They have the, the dreaded eye test. Plain and simple, I think it comes down to one thing. It's all about money. Hmm. Okay? So I am here to propose to you gentlemen my theory on the one team, if they had two losses and they won their conference championship, they would have kept Alabama out of the playoffs. Can I take a guess? Go ahead. Trump University? <laughs> okay, well, that's it. You got it. Good job. I was going to say Phoenix. Phoenix. So... <laughs> The University of Phoenix. Larry yes. Fitz, Larry Fitzgerald, baby. <laughs> it, it, they were a little short of my analytics. Oh, okay. The way that college football makes their most money, just like all these other sports leagues, is by their television contracts, right? That's, a, that's the most significant chunk, yes. So the team that I'm going to propose to you had the second highest viewership in the games, the highest, second highest ratings out of any other team that made the playoffs. All right? I can't wait. So Alabama came in with the highest rated watched. They had the highest ratings out of all college football games. Really? They averaged 7.4 million viewers on their games. Who okay? is this? Who? Alabama. Okay. All right. Seven times the Alabama game, whoever they were playing, was in the top three in the ratings for that week. The SEC had the top two teams, the top two rated games, 10 out of 14 weeks during the college football season. All right. Alabama was the number one watched game three times. The only team that had more games as the number one rated uh, college football game this year. They also averaged 5.6 million viewers every time they, not every time they played, but throughout the whole season, the Michigan Wolverines. Well, the Michigan Wolverines, Michigan has the largest alumni base in the country. So that being said, if Michigan would have won the Big Ten instead of the Ohio State Buckeyes, Alabama would not have made the college football. Oh, playoffs. man, I don't know. When you look at the three juggernauts in terms of alumni, and I'm doing this without a, without a net, but I believe the biggest three alumni bases in the country are the University of Michigan, the University of Texas, and Ohio State University. Mm-hmm. I don't know that Michigan would have got any additional love that Ohio State didn't if they were given the exact same set of circumstances. But I will tell you that what Michigan, had they been able to pull it off and win the Big Ten, Michigan didn't have that stigma of being the team that got taken care of last year. And I think that was what put the committee over the, over the, the hump. Mm-hmm. with regard to Alabama, is they had already broken one seal with Ohio State and put Ohio State in ahead of Penn State when Ohio State didn't win the conference championship. And Ohio State didn't didn't reward them for their pick. 
So I think to do that two years in a row would have had too many people pointing at them saying, look at you guys. You know, should we just pencil in Ohio State no matter what happens? And I think there that was the 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 difference in that razor thin margin. But I do think you make an excellent point. I think that if given the choice between Michigan and Alabama, given Alabama's circumstances, the fact that they're not qualified to be in the Final Four, I think that Michigan this year would have gotten the nod, and the television revenues would have been a big part of that. Mm-hmm. There's an awful lot of Michigan alums out there. There's only a handful of schools. We talk about college game day and these stadiums. There are only a handful of stadiums in the country that seat 100,000 people. The Big House is one of those. You know, Michigan's got a zillion alums throughout the country. They travel well. They they meet all of those criteria. And they hadn't gotten a crack at the Final Four yet. Michigan hadn't been in this thing since they started it. Yeah. Which I love, by the way. (laughs) (laughs) So, your thoughts about what you just heard? Brandon? I like the research. I was blown away. That could have been your thesis in school if you wanted it to be. But, (laughs) yeah, I mean, that does not surprise me in terms of – and, honestly, I believe it plays in. Money does play a part into this. Everybody in that room, everybody in the country wants to see Clemson and Alabama play the third game, the – the, what is it? Not the rubber match, but the uh, – It would be the rubber match. The rubber match. And I, I'm going to tell you, I'm not excited about that. I don't know why. Because there's part of me that says, well, yeah, you know, this would be the one that decides. I really thought that two years ago Alabama was clearly the better team. Last year I thought Clemson was, and we got a great ball game last year. So if this matchup, you know, is as good as that one, I think it's going to be great. Well, you know what could be interesting is they're playing this – Next game, um, let's see, they play in New Orleans, right? Yeah. So I think there could be a lot of just mutual fans of the game. Not Alabama. Think about it. Rather than – are a lot of people going to be partying where the, in Pasadena where the Rose Bowl is happening? No. So you're going to have a lot of in-between probably Alabama haters – in New Orleans to watch this game, that attend this game. So you could have – and Clemson travels. I've seen it firsthand. You could have a really big-time Clemson crowd there in this bowl game. I don't know if it means anything. It's not their home field or anything like that. But it could have some effect on the Alabama well, players. If Georgia beats Oklahoma, heck, the national title game's in the Mercedes Dome. I know, Talk right? about home team advantage. Yeah, no I doubt. I mean, huge – well, so I mean the now, SEC. Well, wait a minute. Whoa, 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 time out, time out, time out. Let's let's do some geography here. Because Atlanta, if it is Clemson, Georgia, I'm gonna have to I'm gonna have to pull out a map because Clemson may actually be closer to Atlanta closer than Georgia Atlanta. is. Yeah, Athens is is quite a ways from Atlanta. Clemson's is skipping a jump down from. It's only a couple hours, so that's going to be an interesting thing. Well, this past now, if it's weekend, Oklahoma, Oklahoma is the team that gets screwed here in this entire situation because Alabama, Georgia, and and Clemson, you've kind of got Atlanta bracketed yeah. at that point. I mean, they're right there. Oklahoma, those Sooner fans, but Sooner fans have been waiting a minute to get back into a national championship game. They'll get there. So it's going to be interesting. Given my druthers between New Orleans or Pasadena for one of these playoffs games, I'm in New Orleans all day long and twice on Sunday. 
You know, first of all, the Superdome is as good a place to watch a game as there is. Mm -hmm. There are very few places I have ever been to where I can honestly say there's not a bad house, a bad seat in the house. (laughs) And the Superdome is an amazing place. New Orleans is an amazing city. It's going to be a blast down there. Pasadena, to me, that seems like it'd be a little bit more stale. I don't know. I have no desire to roll out to Pasadena for the Rose Bowl. Nope. One of these days, I'll probably make that trip. Yeah, I you mean, got anything to add with with the astute analysis that you just dropped on us? Well, I mean, I just think the the money follows the SEC, and to, for all of us to believe that they wouldn't have put two teams, I mean, s- snubbing the Big Ten is a big blow. The Big Ten averaged twelve point nine; they had twelve point nine million viewers for the Big Ten championship. Well, last and, year, the SEC, Georgia, Auburn had thirteen point four. Well, and if you want to validate your point, the way to look to is probably not Michigan or Alabama getting in Mm -hmm. because Alabama may still have gotten the nod over Michigan. The the way to validate your point is to look and see, well, if Ohio State had won the Big Ten and TCU managed to knock off Oklahoma, which one of them would have been in the big game? Ohio State (laughs) averaged 4.1 million viewers a week. Oklahoma only averaged 2.85 million. I'm not asking about Oklahoma. TCU, I didn't do my research on that. If TCU had managed to win the Big 12 as a Ohio State would have. Absolutely, 100%. Because they were the third-ranked team. So, there you go. On pure ratings. We got it. Two weeks later, we got it all figured out. Yeah, a lot of good that did anybody. Because, you know, I said for six weeks, no chance uh, any conference is putting two teams in. And I'm telling you, as soon as that graphic hit the screen, my phone exploded. Now, the temperature on my phone went up like 14 <laughs> degrees in, in a matter of 30 I had seconds. Been, I, on the other hand, I've been saying all year long that there's a good chance that two could get in. I just had the teams wrong about five times. <laughs> You had the conference wrong a couple of times. I had but the it's conference that whole, wrong once. It's oh, that whole okay. law of attraction we talked about. You say something often enough and you feel it and you concentrate on it, eventually you'll you get it. You know what? Since you said that last week, I've been trying that. It don't work. No, 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 no. It's not something that's going to happen immediately. It's the, you know, the universe takes a little while to get wound up, man, and, and it'll find its way to you. See, I was, my most proud accomplishment was making uh, Brandon believe that Wisconsin was going to beat Ohio State. That was yeah. my, oh, my food's ready. I'll be right back. Your burrito's done. Um, yeah, that's that was the, the mistake. You, you finally convinced me, and I said on air they're going to get in, and they got mollywopped. So we talked about Not the really Heisman Trophy earlier with Baker Mayfield yeah. overcoming uh, – I don't even know if he overcame anything, but he held off Lamar Jackson and Saquon Barkley to win the thing pretty convincingly. As we look forward to next year, who's your money on, Trent? Uh, Kelly Bryant. Kelly Bryant? I think he's going to come out, and his second-year starter, he he should be the favorite coming in. Well, I, I tell you what, whomever shines in this Alabama-Clemson matchup, Kelly Bryant or Jalen Hurts, I think has got to be in the mix. Um, Sam Darnold. It's not a foregone conclusion that he's going to leave USC. Last year he came in with all the hype. I think they'll wind that hype machine back up especially with Josh Rosen coming out. It'll be Kelly Bryant out there on the West Coast. I think he's the guy. But Tate out there at Arizona, man. Mm. Have you seen this kid play? Yeah, not not a lot. Oh, buddy. Next level athleticism. And really was only a starter for two-thirds of the season this year. 
you give him a full year in that system and, you know, anything can happen. But I'm going to tell you, it's a lot of fun. Brandon, any other thoughts on? No, on- I mean, I'm just going to echo what you said. I mean, uh, Trent kind of took my Bryant pick. I think this game, you're right. I think this game will be pretty telling about how it's going to set up for the next year because you know he's not going anywhere. He's not a Deshaun Watson no. ready ready for the NFL, but he's done a pretty darn good job. So that would be my pick. All right. We'll see you on the other side. You're listening to From the Cheap Seats on WDCC and WBLZ. You're listening to From the Cheap Seats from Sanford, North Carolina. I was stolen from my parents. I was imprisoned in a cramped cage and was touched and photographed completely against my will, solely for somebody's profit. Then I started to grow bigger, and they locked me away for life. If you knew that was the life of a tiger cub, would you still pay to pet her? Learn how they're exploited through petting and photo ops at cubabuse.com. Hey Clarice, can we please put on the new Justin Bieber album? Hold on, Dad will be mad if we don't listen to From the Cheap Seats. Welcome back to From the Cheap Seats. Alright, welcome back to From the Cheap Seats. I'm Krista Lambert. Brandon Atkins and Trent Nichols are propping me up here. Propping me up. Amen. So we agree, Clemson, Alabama, this showcase, among other things, it obviously has the built-in national championship um, implications. But I think it's fair to say that the the winning quarterback in this game, assuming that it's a quarterback-driven game, uh, will be the front-runner headed into 2018 for the Heisman. Because, I mean, the media will pick up on it. That, that'll be the star, the last thing that we see – well, second to last thing, um, depending on who ends up going to the the final championship game. But this will be something that will be in the back of your minds, particularly in this matchup, until we get serious about talking about the Heisman next year. But um, I also like your Khalil Tate. I like the Arizona quarterback. So I feel like basically those were my two that y'all picked already. Hey, you know, I was scrolling for some breaking news. (laughs) <laughs> and uh, while we're talking about this, and who do some of these young football players think they are? Or at least who do their parents think they are? Because these cats with the two-syllable first names followed by a name, hyphen name, I'm going to give you Ha-Ha Clinton Dix. Who does his parents think they, they are? <laughs> and then you got Juju Smith-Schuster. you got to have... You know, you got to have some onions to come up into the league with a name like that. Wait a minute. My favorite, though, and I have to look up because I can't remember his last name, is Lil Jordan. Have you seen that? Ah, who does he play for? He's a wide receiver, but his first oh. name is Lil Jordan. I thought I thought you were bringing up Harold Minor. <laughs> yeah, me too. <laughs> Baby Jordan. Baby Jordan. Yeah. Man, Harold Minor was fun, wasn't he? Yeah. And so, thinking about the old days, too, and you – Keep trying to make a point, Chris, and I'll shut up here in a second. <laughs> but with all, I'm reading these things about these ACL tears, and every time I hear of an injury like this, it makes me sad that we did not have this type of medicine back when, oh, God. when Bo Jackson got his injury. Mm. Think about how modern medicine could have maybe put him back on the field for us to enjoy his career a little bit more. I feel like we're all cheated. Well, 
Bo Jackson, that was a catastrophic injury with his hip where he basically tore it off the you know, tore the joint out of there. But think of guys like David Thompson. Yeah. I mean, David Thompson was a, a surreal athlete and knee injuries shortened his career. You look at look at a guy like Bill Walton. I mean, could modern medicine Walton in the twilight his of his career came oh. back with with Boston. More but like yeah, it. it's a shame. And you look at it with pitchers, man, if you blew up your elbow or your shoulder back in the day, the first sign of trouble you were done. Yeah, like Mark Pryor, even even yeah. modern. He just never could recover. Little little Jordan Humphrey. There you go. What did they think? You thinking? thought I made that up, right? No, they what did And they that's think? his real name. That's, that's his not real a... name. He's a wide receiver freshman in Texas yeah. for the uh, Longhorns. Do you think his parents were hoping he played basketball? Uh, they were big fans, and they don't make any bones about that. That's Lil Jordan, L-I-L Jordan. He only got to be 6'4". So Ha-ha Clinton Dix. Ha-ha is a nickname. I know that for sure. Juju Smith-Euster, I'm assuming that's a nickname. But Lil Jordan Humphrey, that is his given name. Hmm. That's bananas. Now, we were talking about Peyton Manning and his aspirations, and I said last week that I'm not going to be shocked if Phil Fulmer makes a phone call and – tries to bring Peyton Manning in to be the next coach of the Tennessee Volunteers. Well, that ship has sailed now. Mm -hmm. But when we're talking about kids' names, we're talking about Lil Jordan. Is that any different from the fact that there's probably 50,000 kids in the state of Tennessee over a two- or three-year period that were named Peyton? Boy, girl, or otherwise. The same with Indiana. Yeah, same. How many it's the same situation? How many bakers are going to be running around Oklahoma here pretty soon? <laughs> That's a good question. I mean, because you know people are getting busy, son. Well, especially if Oklahoma wins a national championship. Yeah. That's funny. Could how you that name works. a daughter Baker? Oh yeah, sure. I think Baker's probably a better daughter name than son. Okay. Yeah. I mean. Never mind. I was about to say something sexist. I'm not going to do that. <laughs> You've been racist a couple times this morning. So, oh hmm. man. Ha ha, Clinton Dix. Hashawn Trishawn Clinton Dix. Hashawn Trishawn Clinton Dix. So I, but, I'm going to go with ha ha. I like ha ha. I mean, that's efficient. I like it. I can dig it. Well, as he's running away with the ball, he can go ha ha. That's why I thought it came. It was more like a he hate me. He hate me thing. Oh jeez. Trent Nichols, we're going to cut Brandon out of this for a while. Turn his mic off. Oh, baseball. Giancarlo Stanton to the Yankees. Your take is a little bit different than mine. I'm going to let you go first. All right. My take is that, yes, the Yankees felt like they overperformed this year. They got back a little bit quicker than uh, they were supposed to. I feel like the Yankees went through three, four four years of getting their minor league system back in play. They kind of like the early 90s where they got the Jeters, the Bernie Williams, uh, Mariano Rivera, uh, Jorge Posada. I think they feel like they have their core now and adding Giancarlo Stanton yep. to the mix is the evil empire being the evil empire. They have that core group, and now they're going to go out and get the biggest bat they can get. Chris, what do you think? Yeah. Chris Chris just drops the bomb. At least he didn't drop soccer. Yeah, he dropped well, baseball. Thank which, you. Baseball, which is in your wheelhouse. See, typically the thing that Chris DeLambert does is he'll go, hey, let's talk about soccer. Go ahead, Trent, and he'll point at him, and he'll get up and leave. 
or start a Twitter page for yeah, Dave or, Grohl yeah, for president. Literally builds like a website <laughs> as we're struggling through soccer commentary. But you had told you had mentioned this earlier. They're building this Yankee team much like they built the one of old. Yeah, talk about that a little bit more. I mean, so I mean, years ago they got all these prospects. They brought them all up. And then once these guys started to perform and they see what they got, they would go out and make these big splashes in uh, in free agency, and they would get their David Justices. They would get the players that they needed to get over the hump and then win the World Series. Right. So they got a mix of the youth, the homegrown, plus go out, you know, get big stars yeah. a la A-Rod or whoever else. So now, I mean, it's like, what, last year, Aaron Judge and uh, Giancarlo Stanton, that would have been like 113 home runs between the two of them. Wow. Because one hit 59, I think Judge hit 54. Uh, The problem is, I mean, you've got these big bats. He's going to play designated hitter. He probably wouldn't have been the biggest name. I was a little surprised that the Yankees – went all in for him right? because you've got guys like Bryce Harper that are coming out. And now what does that mean? I know Bryce Harper, the Cubs fans are screaming, hey, Bryce Harper named his dog Wrigley. He really wants to go to (laughs) Chicago. Well, Chicago, be careful what you wish for because if you're going to spend all your money signing Bryce Harper, then the core team of these young talents that you have, you can kiss them goodbye because you're not going to be able to pay Chris Bryant, Bryce Harper, Rizzo, Russell, Javier Baez, you know, fine. You drop Hayward's contract off. You have a little bit of money, but you're going to lose your talent. And honestly, you don't have any pitchers and you don't have a farm team either. So, Well, I think it's interesting, you know, I'm not – I joke all the time. I'm not a big baseball game, uh, p- fan until well into October. Yeah. And we – you know, back in October when we had plenty of options, NFL football, you know, we have, um, in, you know, college football. And I remember going, guys, we were well into October. Nobody, even at ESPN really, unless it's a specialized show, is even talking about baseball during the playoff period. Yeah. So what do they do? Like – when the season's not even being played, the Yankees make a big splash and steal all the headlines. I mean, Stanton, at least for the last couple of days, has been the the lead story. I yeah. think. Where's he going to go? Across all sports, and then you got the winter meetings starting up. So they're actually doing a much better job with staying in the news when it is all NFL. Now you got college basketball about nine or ten games into the season. Well done, you know, well done to make a splash. So do you know who Derek Jeter is? Yes, You know Derek Jeter. Yes. So do you know what currently he's doing? He's giving – I've gotten one of those uh, Jeter gift baskets he gives the ladies. (laughs) (laughs) He is a part owner in the Miami Marlins. Oh, nice. So the Miami Marlins is the team that Stanton came from. I just thought it was kind of ironic also that – the best player on the Miami Marlins gets dealt to the Yankees. Right. Now, who is that benefiting more? It's definitely – Miami, honestly, they're in full rebuild mode. They're going to gut their team. I don't know how they have any fan base left. But the Miami Marlins, 
Given it, given them to the to the Yankees, it's actually going to make Stanton still the highest paid player on their payroll yeah. because they kept thirty million dollars out of that two hundred ninety five million that uh, goes with Stanton. I still can't get used to calling them Miami Marlins. <laughs> you know, do you know why they made that change? Was uh, it just a branding thing? I think so. No, but their fan base has to be one of the most. Um, at this point, I think they're just not interested because they know what the front office is going to do. Like, they'll get a player and trade them right like they did with Cabrera. How, yeah. how many years ago was that? I mean, it's been a while now. But, um, yeah, we were talking about that with the Carolina Hurricanes. There's some not a whole lot, but similarities until how the fan base starts to lose interest when you make the same mistake over and over and over again or what is perceived as a mistake. Yeah. And trading away all your talent when – wouldn't you say Stanton is probably one of the ten hottest names in baseball right now? Oh, yeah. No, I mean, he's a great – he's an amazing player. I mean, he hasn't stayed healthy a lot, but he can hit that ball. I mean, he's a big gun up there, a big – Big gun. We were talking about Derek Jeter. Has anyone lived a more blessed life than that man? We'll talk about it when we hit on the other side. Thanks for joining us. You're listening to Krista Lambert and Brandon Adkins on From the Cheap Seats, a production of Cheap Seats Radio. Hello, I'm Rob Beckley, lead singer of the band Pillar. I served in the Army Reserve for eight years, and it taught me lessons in teamwork, leadership, and organizational skills that I still use today. Serving part-time in the Army Reserve also offers skill training, money for college, and bonuses up to $20,000. So if you're up to the challenge, talk to your local Army Reserve recruiter today, or check us out online at GoArmyReserve.com. You too can be Army strong in the Army Reserve. You're listening to From the Cheap Seats with Chris DeLambert and Brandon Atkins. You may not like your seats, but you'll love the show. And welcome back to From the Cheap Seats in my best Chris DeLambert impersonation. (laughs) I just don't have the low enough voice to completely pull it off. It's like... Welcome back to From the Cheap Seeds. Diamond Dave Kaplan. Diamond Dave. Schlepprock. DJ Schlep- uh. Schlepprock. Now, hey. DJ Schlepprock has a pretty blessed life. Yes. Talking yes. about Derek Jeter. Well, Jeter, I don't know if you've heard this, but the original scouting report for Derek Jeter just sold for $102,000. Golly. So... Basically, <laughs> the people who valued it said it was around a $50,000 item, but it was from when he was in high school. Huh. And the market went for this thing. Somebody decided they wanted to pay over a hundred grand for this thing, but it's got cool in handwritten notes. Basically, the guy who did it um, put down notes like five-tool player will be an ML all-star player. He wrote... A Yankee and exclamation point, blue chip. It's actually really kind of cool. Wow! You know? But um, you know, to kind of put it in perspective, how the market's going. So back in 2014, um, 
they sold his a bat, a used bat from the '96 World Series for 155,000 and some change. Wow! And then they sold his second-to-last game jersey for 60 grand, which makes me wonder how expensive is the last jersey he wore as yeah. a Yankee? Now, I mean, so you being a big Tar Heel fan, yeah. What is that piece of memorabilia, and how much would you spend? That would just that would be it. Your most prized possession. If you could own one thing, what would it be, and how much would you buy it for? Man, I think that's a really. I don't know how much. I mean, as much as I could afford. But you know, anything with young Jordan on it. I've had friends before who have like back when he was at Laney High School, like son back when he used to sign as Mike Johnson. Yeah. Um, I think that would be pretty cool. The best piece of memorabilia that I have, it's not even Carolina memorabilia. It's actually NC State. Because a little-known fact about me is that I grew up, my dad went to NC State, and I grew up an NC State fan. Of course, I went off to University of Chapel Hill in North Carolina and, um, you know, just fell in love. But So I is have, that when you turned your back on the Wolfpack? Is pretty when much. when you signed pretty much. on the dotted line saying, I'm going to NC State? I have something pretty cool that I'm going to bring into the studio that I just had framed, but it's, it's kind of a two-piece item. I don't know if you remember, there was an original Sports Illustrated cover called, and the title of it was called Miracle Workers, uh-huh. and it had the three NC State stars, like Sidney Lowe, Derek Wittenberg, and Thurl Bailey, holding up the trophy, and I had thought it was lost, but I found it and just got it framed last week, wow. so it's coming to the studio. But my best, and I don't know how to put a value on it, on it, but the 19, I have the entire 1983 NC State Championship team's autograph in one book, including Jim Balvano's. Holy cow. Now, how did you get that? As a kid, did you did you walk up and those players signed it? I went to NC State basketball camp that year. Really? Uh, incoming freshmen or recruits were Spud Webb. Got <laughs> his, his is in the same book. And uh, just really cool, just really cool item that I managed. Now, I will say one thing. It's got a one tiny flaw, and then I'll get off of NC State basketball from 30 years ago. But... Some kid or somebody, I left that book, the autograph book, in the gym yeah. when we had a break, and some kid drew in it. Oh. But all the signatures made it except for Thurl Bailey's. I have his on another piece, but Thurl Bailey, as you're listening, or if you if there's anybody out there that knows <laughs> Thurl Bailey, tell him this piece that I have because he would his signature would make it complete. Yeah. Because that was a magical team. But um Yeah, email us at cheapseatradio at gmail.com and let us know where we can send this book to you, Thoreau, so we can complete this collection for Brandon. Now, Brandon, that to me is so much cooler than saying, Hey, I bought this at right. an auction. This was something that you lived, you saw it, you could verify it. You don't have to trust that it's fake. You got all these autographs live and in person. Okay, true story, and I, he's not. Old and how old were you? You were what? Probably like nine 10, years old, nine 10? or ten. Yeah, and he's not listening because he's not a big sports fan. But my second youngest brother, yeah, was an infant, and as I was standing, and Jim Valvano was great. Like, you know, in some of these camps nowadays, I imagine that you know the coach comes through and just addresses the ca- the crowd, and it's mm-hmm. kind of like. 
There may be some autographs, but it's much more efficient. Jim Valvano would spend 15 minutes with each kid. He talked about, we live here in Sanford, North Carolina. His One of his ACC championship rings was made in Sanford, and he told me the whole story about that. But the funny part about it, about my brother, is that my mom and dad came to pick me up, and my mom was holding my brother, and Jim Valvano was a baby kisser. Yeah, And he scooped up my, bro- my youngest brother and held him and thought he was cute and stuff. And then he looked at my mom and he said, hey, did you guys just get back from the pool or something? <laughs> my brother peed on Jim Valvano. Oh! So I had that tied to this autograph book. But, you know, going back, I, I'm a, I didn't even ask you, but I want to hit Jeter on um, his new role with the Marlins. But what, do you have any piece of memorabilia that would be kind of cool? Well, no, I mean, I collected a lot of things. I have a uh, the original Bronco helmet somebody got for my birthday was signed by John Elway. Oh, nice. I mean, a lot of the stuff that I have that I really cherish are the odd knickknacks, you know. I mean, I have a game-worn Elway jersey from when they played in Mexico one year. Uh-huh. My dad acquired it from the uh, the Broncos trainer. So that's real special. But I'm not a big uh memorabilia guy i think the first baseball game i ever went to was with my dad i'm a mets fan Uh we went to wrigley field the first time i ever saw the mets the first day we were there gary carter gave me a ball oh the next day he recognized me in the same jersey and autographed it for me that's really cool so that's pretty special but uh other than that no it's just little you know pins and pennants and you know what chris Chris is a memorabilia junkie, and I was just looking around the studio as you were talking, and he's got a Cincinnati Cincinnati Bengals um, playoff program that he's got with the Bengals. Yeah. I'd hold on to that bad boy because there's probably not going to be another one for a very long time. That thing might go for $100,000 sometime too. But, you know, the thing about the Jeter thing that you brought up about, you know, now he has shifted in – to his a new chapter of his life he's no longer a player and now he's working for the marlins or, yeah. Yeah. owning owning owning, owning. Yeah. and then this decision about stanton comes out and florida marlin um miami marlin fans are like yeah of course you would of course you would trade stanton so he's going to be dealing with a whole different point of view from how fans look and i've always thought that was an intriguing piece like look at people like larry bird and how he was viewed as a player, like a basketball god. Mm-hmm. And then he turns into like a punchline when he's running the Pacers. Yeah, These stars, and you know, you, DeLambert was talking about P, uh, Peyton Manning going coach in Tennessee um, for the football program. I think it's a huge mistake. I mean, I know you want to be around the game, but find some type of job that will take you out of the crosshairs. Because I think all it does is ruin legacies. Look at how unbelievably successful Magic Johnson has been financially since he played for the Lakers. And look what he's doing with this Lonzo Ball. Looks like a joke. Well, he owns – he's a part owner in the Los Angeles Dodgers. And now he's the director of vice – or he's the vice president of operations for the the Lakers. So that brings up a great point. Two people. John Elway, I think, has been – just as successful as a GM as he was as a player or could be. 
he might be not as good as we think. He did acquire right. Peyton Manning, got a, a Super Bowl, went to two. Um, but does what Michael Jordan has done with the Bobcats and now the Charlotte Hornets again, does that take away a little bit from his legacy? Well, we have – this is ACC country. So, I mean, I know Michael Jordan's a global brand, but we talk a good you know, a good deal about Michael Jordan, plus Charlotte's just right down the road. Yeah. So far, I think the look – I think he's gotten better. But so far, his track record is not good. I mean, and look at – Michael Jordan's about the, one of the only players that can get away with that, though. Well, I mean, when he first when he first bought the Hornets and he became the majority owner or whatever, it seemed like he had no interest in being a part of the basketball with the Charlotte Hornets. All I saw living in the Midwest and in Texas is he was on the golf course and all that, and the Hornets always stunk. Right. You would think with Michael Jordan's mentality, he would want to win. He wants to win championships. So why hasn't he done a better job surrounding himself with people that can help him and his organization win an NBA championship? Well, I'll say as far as Charlotte goes, there are some challenges. And I bring this up with Chris a lot because we, you know, he brings up, um, let's see, gold, maybe not Golden State, but there's another team. Anyway, Charlotte is a tough area. Charles Barkley calls it the most – calls it – the most boring big city in the country. And <laughs> yeah. in comparison, I love Charlotte, but in comparison, he's probably not wrong because a lot of these players are like in their early 20s, early 30s. They like to have a lot of options to go out, like whether it be restaurants, bars, clubs, th- things of that nature. And you just don't get that electric feeling or did, you used to not, but maybe it's coming around. So Charlotte superstars rarely look the most famous one and i think regardless of where he had been drafted but kobe bryant got drafted by the charlotte hornets and refused to go there he said he would not play a minute and got traded to the lakers and the rest is but i think that was the status of where the hornets were at that time i mean look at it when the hornets very quickly came onto the scene you're talking about curry del curry right mugsy bogues Larry Johnson, Alonzo Mourning. I mean, they were relevant. They were right there on the cusp. It was a perfect storm, though, like because none of that lasted. Alonzo Mourning went off to play with the Heat. Larry Johnson finally blew his knees out. You know what I mean? Well, like, he went off and played with the Knicks. Yeah, he played for with the a Knicks. While. Developed a great three-point shot. But yeah, you haven't seen it happen since. I mean, they uh, Kendall Gill was also on that team. Kendall Gill. Yeah. So they had a great start in five. By the way. They at certain times had that Chicago team on the ropes in that series that they got close to beating Chicago. They only won two games, but I call that close. But they figured out Muggsy Bogues couldn't hit wide open shots. <laughs> so they just laid off his 15-footers, and the rest was history there. Yeah. But I think that's the challenge. So Michael Jordan – but see, his brand – look, I was just – I had to go buy new running shoes the other day. Kids just fawn over – Jordan's shoes. His brand is probably stronger than it's ever been. And the kids make that connection. Now, you can't say the same thing even for the great Larry Bird. Larry, a lot of kids... You mean his Adidas shoes or Converse didn't take off? I'm just saying, I think kids now (laughs) kind of sort of know about the lore of Larry Bird, but they don't make that connection with him being like a, a 
back to back to back MVP of the league. So what I'm looking for, Larry Bird, now that his time is done in Indiana, is I want Danny Ainge and the Boston Celtics organization to welcome him back as kind of that ambassador and get his name back more oh, relevant. Because sure. there was that 30-30 on uh, ESPN about the Lakers and the uh, Celtics rivalry that was amazing. And I learned more about the Showtime Lakers, Pat Riley, and uh, Red Arbach and the uh, the Boston Celtics than I ever knew yep. during that time, how brilliant and how amazing that was. Because, I mean, you were only three, four, five, and six. I was only three years old when that whole thing was going on right. that we kind of missed it. But now, Larry, you're out of, yes, you were a hometown Terre Haute boy. You did a decent job. You made the Pacers relevant for a couple of years. Your time is done. Right. Go back to Boston and just be that symbol. Look how long this list is. Look at Isaiah Thomas, one of the best point guards that's ever lived. He was a horrible head coach. And, he, you know, and a horrible GM. Horrible GM. And to me, I just don't think the money is worth ruining your legacy. See you on the other side. You're listening to From the Cheap Seats from Sanford, North Carolina. Everyone deserves a decent place to live. Everyone. Decent shelter is something we all need to thrive. Through shelter, we empower. Visit Habitat.org to donate today. My name is Forrest, Forrest Gump. My mom always told me you don't have to sit down close to see the action. Sometimes it's better from the cheap seats. And that's all I gotta say about that. Welcome back to From the Cheap Seats. All right, welcome back to the final 15 minutes of From the Cheap Seats. I'm Chris Lambert, Brandon Atkins, Professor Trent Nichols. Did you guys miss me? It's Mr. Chris back. We tried to get your voice. Brandon complained because he wasn't as deep, so I pulled out the old, welcome back to From the Cheap Seats. Hey, he did his version. Hey, y'all, let's talk about badminton. I'm out of here. <laughs> that sounds like now, Jerry Jones. Let's make sure we're 100% clear. These guys are giving me grief. That was a programmed call. You guys knew that was coming, and I had to take that. That There may be some a gigantic news associated with that. Well, call, we so. set this technical issues up so me and Brandon could finally have a segment without you. Yeah, because you never we, leave. When I booked this call, I – Oh, plenty of time, man. We'll be finished for an hour and a half by the time that call comes in. Brandon, this summer, took off like every Monday to go off to the beach. Pretty much. Tim Copas is permanently on I vacation. Missed, and I think I missed two shows. Maybe. Speaking <laughs> of which, where's Kaplan? Kaplan just didn't show up today. Kaplan cracked me up because he joked, hey, I'm at the end of the show, he goes, hey, I'm going to call y'all and see if I can sell you something later. David Kaplan called me back and tried to sell me something later. And within an hour, I got a text from him. Hey, let's convert some of that term life to whole life. Dude, and I thought he was joking. He wasn't. He's like, I'll get with you next week. So I'm expecting him to duck into my office at some point this week. So I, I have a question for you guys. The Philadelphia 76ers. Yeah. Every kid in America is wanting to play with these guys on NBA 2K. Mm-hmm. Because Embiid is an unstoppable force who's sort of, I don't know, the embodiment of Chris Webber and Shaq all into one body. When he's healthy, this guy 
is the best big man in basketball by so far it doesn't make any sense, I think. Ben Simmons, who after missing an entire season with injuries, shows that they got it right with the number one pick. If Fultz comes back and gives them anything, this team's going to be a lot of fun. But everybody's on the Philly bandwagon right now. They're fun to watch. They've got two of the better players in, in the NBA, I think it's fair to say. But I think we're losing sight of the fact that they're the eighth seed right now in the East. They're actually the ninth. Are they the ninth? They're out of the playoff picture right now. But I say that they lost the last four, which you can have Cleveland shown that you can have losing streaks, and they're right back in it. You know, had they won these last four, they'd be right in the middle of the pack. You know what I mean? But they're actually out of the playoff picture right now. Well, I thought that if things ended today and the Celtics were the the number one uh, seed and they had to play Philly, I thought they would struggle a little bit against those. Philly's going to be a team, if they get in, that nobody wants to play, assuming the health. Now, Embiid may have an injury issue. He went down three minutes after Carson Wentz did. And now with... This whole you can't rest players. Maybe it wasn't an injury at all, but they had to call it that. Well, we'll but you got to worry about out. that. I think to to expand upon your point, I think Boston is a lock to be the number one seed in the East. Period. I'm not believing Cleveland is going to, you know, continue on the tear that they're on right now and get that second seed. I expect Cleveland to be a third or fourth seed. Washington's hanging in there, but the damage they're doing without Wall in the lineup, I think they're 14 and 12 right now. Mm -hmm. They'll stay afloat and they'll make a run once Wall comes back, but I think they've played played themselves out of the second seed. Keep your eye on Milwaukee. Milwaukee's nasty. And Eric Bledsoe coming over, I was interested to see how that was going to work out. And I assumed Bledsoe was going to come off the bench, but they just moved Malcolm Brogdon right to the bench. And Brogdon coming off a rookie of the year campaign has been slid over to the bench and nobody seems to have noticed they gave up next to nothing to get him. And now when you look at it, you've got Bledsoe in there with Giannis and this team in February, everybody else is going to be trying to figure out what free agent acquisition they can make to, to make a, a title run. They get Jabari Parker back. And you're talking about 22, 23 points a night. Look out for Milwaukee. And if they're close, Milwaukee's going to be a team that nobody really legitimately wants to play. My question before we get any farther down that rabbit hole is right now, are you buying James Harden as your MVP? Sure. Okay. No. 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 Talk to me. James Harden's doing what James Harden does. James Harden's doing what James Harden would have done if he were operating at max potential. He's the number one scorer in basketball right now. That's fine. And he's the number two assist guy in the NBA right now. That's fine. That's uncharted territory. But nobody has meant more. And I'm just because I'm wearing the hat doesn't mean that I wouldn't say this if I wasn't a fan, but nobody's meant more to their team than Kyrie Irving. I'll give you that. You know, there's the one thing that I cannot stand about his game, and I've said this in the past, the Euro step is the single dumbest looking move I've ever seen on a basketball (laughs) court. I just hate it. You know what? I, I was able, when I was about 22, 23 years old, I, I don't even know how to say this. I 
realized that you could cross somebody up by switching the legs that you were moving on. And I started doing the Euro step in pickup basketball games in the Army. Gosh. I swear to you. No, 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 no. <laughs> I, I really did. And it was transformational for me. I was a pretty good pickup basketball player. And let player. me guess. I played high school basketball. But I'm going to tell you, for a run of four or five years, that was my thing. Let me guess. You and also I, shot the, your free throws granny style, right? No. <laughs> I was never a really good free throw shooter. But the Euro step... It, there wasn't a name for it at that point. It was just something I did. And yeah, I realized traveling. <laughs> not traveling. What's traveling is the jump stop that, uh, you know, was big. See, the jump the stop, I got no problem with. Traveling doesn't exist anymore. Come on. Well, we were talking about guys with handles, and Kyrie Irving might be the best ball handler in basketball. He does that Uncle Drew stuff, and he really makes people silly, and he's on a mission this year. And I've seen him cross people up and and break ankles. He's something serious. But we we talked about sort of the lineage of dribbling. And we talked about Michael Jordan and Michael Jordan's greatness. But the thing Michael Jordan had for him is that he took carrying the ball to a whole new level. And everybody has learned to dribble wrong since Jordan started with that. And Byron Russell will tell you he also employed he pushed the, off. the Heisman. Yeah, well. <laughs> But Jordan came along and carried the ball like nobody we'd ever seen before. But then Iverson showed up. And was like, you ain't seen nothing. <laughs> you ain't seen nothing. I'm going to actually cross Jordan up with his crossover. <laughs> Iverson could take six steps in the time the ball hit the ground and came back up. But here's what I'm saying to you. Iverson took it from a whole <laughs> different level Jordan had it. There's a guy in the NBA right now, and it's not Irving. Irving is a traditional guy. He's the best ball handler around. But the guy right now that is taking carrying and dribbling the basketball to a new level and has become unguardable because of it is Kevin Durant. (laughs) Kevin Durant at seven foot carries the basketball every single time he dribbles. And his crossover is – Crazy to watch. His wingspan is about 19 feet across. And when he goes left and raises that thing up and then comes back down and shoots it across to the right, the defender is helpless. You literally have to take three steps to get to either side, and you're going to have to commit one way or the other, and then he's going to blow by you. And I'm going to make a statement, and you guys are going to look at me like I'm crazy. But the word that is being overused, let's give it some context. In the NFL right now, I'm sick of hearing people say RPO. Run past option, RPO, RPO, RPO. Tired of hearing it. In the NBA, the word now, how many times have you heard the word egalitarian? Have you guys heard that? It's an egalitarian offense, which I guess means that everybody's going to get their share. Look. I thought that was after Iglianala or whatever his name is. I, I thought like, they were running the ball more towards him. In the NFL, Andre Iglianala. Iglianala. Because in the Steph NFL, Curry is out, so you got to run it towards more Andre. They're not just using it there. They're oh. using it with regard to OKC. They're oh. using it with regard to Houston. God, I'm they're a using moron. It. That's the word right now. But here's my thing. I'm watching Golden State. Golden special. Golden State is one of the most special teams we've seen in our lifetimes. 
I'm not going to lie. I like Golden State without Steph Curry in the lineup. Yeah. I do. And you you almost can see in this absent <coughs> with Steph that they pulled the brake on Durant and what he's able to do offensively. We forgot how good he is offensively. And when he got there, they asked him, we need you to play within the confines of the offense. We need you to become a great defensive player. And there's a lot of run for this guy. Well, he could be on the all-NBA defensive team. He could be the all-NBA defensive player of the year is what he could be because he's legitimately playing defense and has become a force defensively and is finally using that length on on defense all over the place. But this guy is putting up triple doubles and near triple doubles with 35 and 36 points a night. We forgot. We slept on Durant. And he took all that bashing because he couldn't win a championship on his own. And he went out to Golden State. And we kind of true. Well, he just joined the best team in the NBA. No, he's the best player in the NBA to me. So are you saying that this is Kevin Durant's team? Yes. Okay. But it's like. You know what? They knew what they had. And yes, they said, you need to play this system. But then they're brilliant because then if you take my shotgun away from me, I'm just going to pull out my machine gun and I'm still going to kill you. It is. And so that's and, the way they evolved. And and Golden State, the reason I say I like them better is that Durant, when you, do an iso- when you isolate Durant, Durant's going to score on you. Mm-hmm. He's unguardable. With Curry out of the lineup... Yes, that's a weapon there, but they have enough other weapons on offense that you can't double down on Durant because he's going to eat you alive. So they're beholden to Steph Curry's accuracy when Curry's in the lineup. Because Curry, yeah, he's going to make a highlight play every once in a while taking somebody to the 10, but by and large, he's just sitting out there and he's a spot-up shooter. We'll see. we got two more hours next week to talk about it. Thanks for listening. I'm Chris DeLambert, Brandon Atkins, Trent Nichols. Listen to us and find us on the web at at Cheap Seat Radio. We're out! You're listening to Chris DeLambert and Brandon Atkins on From the Cheap Seats, a production of Cheap Seats Radio.